welcome into episode 56 of the Get Around Podcast. We've got a full house today. I'm your host, Brett Summers. Per usual, I'm joined by Jake Atnip and James Cook. But we've got a fourth on our roundtable today. Brendan Queeley. He's not sure why he's here. I don't even know why. We're not sure why he's here. Not a clue. I'm not clocked in. I'm not getting paid for this. Brett walked into the office today, and I just wanted to be part of the group. I feel... Left out, lonely. Was it it because you wanted to celebrate my birthday that was Saturday? Yes. It is because I wanted to celebrate your birthday that was Saturday and my birthday that is tomorrow, or if you're listening to this Tuesday, November 6th, today. Yes. I turned the big 3-4... And I'm 29. The best kind of defense, the 3-4 defense, right? Yes. I don't know. I, I, like, I, four, four. I, I like the 4-4. Th- I like the 3-4. But what, what's, what's tougher? Because you've been there. I mean, 29 being the, the last year of your 20s, is that a, is that a tough pill to swallow? Listen, I, I'm going to turn 34 tomorrow, and basically right now I'm just floating through life a day at a time, not really doing anything remarkable or unremarkable. And uh, it, it really is at this point, it's, it's just... Each day is a, a a day closer to the end, and uh, I, I don't know when that day is going to come. Uh, but uh, you're really pumping me up here. I buddy. said you really you really needed to come in here today just for some like friendship and companionship. You're feeling lonely on turn at 34, aren't you? Yeah, I am. It's uh, it's this one. This is I, I would say this is the toughest birthday that I've had, 34. And it has nothing to do with the number itself, more of where I am at in my life. You know, where, I'm, at, where I'm not at in, in my life. It can't be that bad. <laughs> Welcome, Mr. No, Sunshine. <laughs> I am, I, I provide sunshine by self-deprecation, showing, by showing you guys how bad life can be, but how lucky you all are to not be me. That's that's the sunshine that I provide. Hmm. There's a lot of self-deprivation going on. Deprecation. Deprecation? I'm Depre- not right? depriving myself of me. <laughs> I, I, and, <laughs> that'd be almost impossible. I'd be like, I've had enough of Brendan for the day. Well, I think we should add a new weekly thing. It's just Brendan's couch. Yeah. <laughs> I just come in here and just be like, so this is what I'm feeling this week, guys. <laughs> it's a therapy session. It's been a tough one. Well, I I haven't been deprived as far as my birthday goes so far. But, well, actually, t- I talked to my mom You la- haven't been last deprived night. of your birthday no, yet? No, no, oh, my no. God, that's unbelievable. You know, but, but no one else has uh, either. But, but, because, but because my mom sent me three different birthday cards on three different days. So I think I got one before my birthday, one on my birthday, and one after my birthday. And I talked to her last night before I had gotten the third one. She's like, did you get the third? Car? I was like, Mom, you mailed three? <laughs> but well, she made up for all the ones we didn't send you. She forget what day it was and was just making sure? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. I, I got a birthday I, I card it. from uh, Susan Rouser Safradini from State Farm Insurance. I did, too. She was uh, kind enough to remember my birthday and be like, hey, we're going to jack your insurance up a little bit. <laughs> Extra five bucks a month because I forgot to uh, text my mileage in time to keep getting that low mileage discount rate. So it's really my fault. But and like then, everything, like everything, everything's my fault, right? <laughs> James' wife, Cena, just had her birthday. We both got Star Wars cards in the mail. I brought one in. You can't see it on the podcast, but uh, it's there. 
It's very cool. It's we'll got, take a photo of it. Uh, we'll have Brett take a selfie with it. Go ahead, Brendan. With your um, with your rays of sunshine, why don't you describe this card right now? Well, you've got uh, a, a green gremlin. Uh, looks like uh, someone fed him after midnight. Um, <laughs> this is Yoda. Uh, yeah, you do know that that's Yoda, right? Yogurt, yes. Yogurt from uh, Spaceballs. What a... Mm. Great movie that is. It says the older you have become. Oh, it just says older you have become. Anybody want to? You want to try it like Yoda? Older you have become. There you go. <laughs> and it's a pop out card. Celebrate we must. Yep. It looks like there's some blueberry pie on the back of it. Is that what I'm uh, noticing? What? Some like. Some like blueberry pie juice hmm. from the celebration. Well, that's probably you guys get that's too probably crazy. that's probably protein shake from this morning when yeah. I was on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody here celebrate National Donut Day? You buy us donuts? No. Well then, no. I plan on going and getting some uh, chocolate donut holes from the Aldi after this. Really good. I, I've discovered that I like those. I prefer those to the the Hostess mini chocolate donuts. Hostess mini chocolate donuts. They're not a sponsor, so I can say this now, but I think I've eaten too many of them, and it's gotten to the point where I'm just like, they're not good uh, anymore. Those are, those are still pretty good. Well, well the I'm whole... you, try the mini chocolate donuts from Aldi. You can go back to powdered sugar donuts? The, the change your life. Yeah. I, I did I did try the powdered sugar. Always good stuff. That's why I've ballooned 45 pounds in the last six months. <laughs> well, the whole point of me bringing up the birthday cards... Uh, was because I did want to thank a couple of people, starting with Jake, for letting me go cover that Leland State Championship on Saturday. Rather- you totally let. You're a senior sports writer. He didn't let you do anything. Well, you I, decided. He You're could, like, I'm he, doing this. He he could have been upset about it, but he wasn't. He was probably a little upset. It was pretty upset. understandable. I, I wanted to, but when you pull a birthday card, it's hard to say no. And then he, he, I mean, he manned the desk for one of the worst shifts of the year. In terms of phone calls, we love all of you that were participating in state finals events and other <laughs> such activities on Saturday. It wasn't that bad. There was just a lot of stuff going on. A lot of stuff. But I wish I could have been there. We'll talk about Leland soccer here in a minute. But Then I wanted to thank Brendan for covering Iceman oh, because oh. he also made that trip to Comstock Park possible. I also, I also made it uh, greatly aware. Oh, wait. Oh, it was my stomach there for a second. I'm really aching for those donuts. I really made it uh, well aware that I did not want to cover the Iceman on Saturday. Did you get chastised for that? But uh, I got uh, <laughs> I got two hours overtime, so hey, it worked out pretty well for me. Back, so. back in the black. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I wanted to thank Seven and Four's Harrison Beebe for buying me breakfast on Saturday. Very nice of him. Helped out with that. And I kind of feel, I mean, I'm going to have to get him a meal or something before I I leave on vacation. Yeah, I got to get him fed. Maybe some Jimmy John's. Get you fed. Uh, (laughs) But I always miss his birthday, and I feel bad about it, especially when he does nice things for me on my birthday. But I'm always gone back to Wisconsin at that time. And uh, so. Bring him back some jerky. Doesn't he like yeah, go out on the hunt know. and come back and I'm did not, you, did I'm you not provide him with jerky the I, last time that you gave everybody else jerky? Yeah, I did. Yeah, he probably ate that. I gave him a steak. That might be covered in freezer burn and still sitting in his freezer with the amount that he cooks. But uh, <laughs> hopefully he enjoyed it at one, one point or another. 
But let's get this show started. Without further ado, <laughs> episode 56 of the Get Around Podcast. We're going to jump into all kinds of Leland Soccer Championship talk. Uh, we've got... This is a Leland-heavy show. It is a Leland-heavy show. Uh, we've got not soccer players. Hopefully next week, I think that's kind of the idea, uh, bring in some of those state championship players in. Uh, but we've got Leland Volleyball players, Allie Martin, and Ella Siddle coming in. They'll drop by the Get Around Podcast studios later. We get into the bulletin board, cover a few of the teams that we've got left in volleyball regionals. We've got kind of a week, was it 11 last week, playoffs, week 11? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, recap as well as a look ahead uh, into, well, state semifinals for eight-player football and regional finals for 11-player. Then we've got the Hall of Fame, the trifecta, which will round out the show. We'll we'll get back to a little, we'll tie it back in with the open and get back to a little Star Wars chatter. Trifecta doesn't always have to be sports. I know Brendan is super pumped about it because he loves Star Wars so much. I have n- I have no feelings about Star Wars one way or the other. It doesn't really the f- it exists and that's that's great and I like that other people really love Star Wars. It, it just doesn't. I doesn't, mean, it doesn't get my motor I mean, running. You, like can leave, you can leave now. No, but you've I'm, seen not, all of them. I'm not trying to hate on Star Wars. I like Star Wars. <laughs> I, I like the movies. I've seen all of them. I just... I, so, like, do you regret the time you spent watching them? Or no, would, not at all. Would you do it again? Probably not. <laughs> no. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I really liked Solo, and I'm probably never going to see that again. Leland's waited long enough. I know they're waiting on... I don't know what the phrase I'm looking for is. Baited breath? Is it you, do you wait on baited breath? You wait it, with baited breath. Okay. Well, I know they're doing that. <laughs> so Leland went down to Comstock Park on Saturday to take on Ann Arbor Green Hills, the defending Division Four state champions, for the state championship game. The Comets won that 1-0, to zero, just the second boys' state championship in school history, the last being 1942 in boys' basketball. So it's been a minute. and uh, A long minute. <laughs> it has, it has. The game itself, you know, lacked a lot of opportunities for both sides. I think there were five shots on goal. You think or uh, you know? You were there reporting on the game. You should probably know these things and not just think them. Thank you, Brendan. You're welcome. I knew them when I wrote them, and I have since forgotten. So now you're back to thinking. <laughs> so you knew, forgot, and now you're thinking again. Great. So celebrated that birthday <laughs> a little too hard. <laughs> 29 is not treating you well already. Do you want me to look it up? Those, those beats squeezing your head too hard? Perhaps. I think it's just a memory problem. Runs in the family. Hence why I got three birthday cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, it just, you know, there wasn't, neither team was able to throw a lot of shots on the net, uh, so it it left Leland's possession game, their quick touches, five, ten-yard passes, basically had Green Hills kind of chasing them the whole game, and then it just came down to Jesus Calderon-Balcazar's goal. Only seven minutes in, he made a phenomenal individual play, uh, getting by two defenders with some crazy footwork that I can't really comprehend as to how anyone moves their feet that way. Beautifully written lead to your article, by the way. Oh, thank you. Really liked it, but I, I 
I'm always blowing smoke up your ass anyway when I talk about how much I like your writing, but yeah, good work on that. Thank you. Uh, and then, you know, to top it off, not counting the goalkeeper, a third defender comes forward, and somehow as Jesus turns the corner, he fits the ball between the defender that has managed to stay somewhat on his hip and the other one that's closing, kick it between them along the ground. And I'm not really sure what Greenhill's goalkeeper was doing coming outside of the near post uh, because from that position, the only thing he was going to stop was a shot right at the post. And, I mean, Jesus made a perfectly timed, perfectly aimed shot. And... I mean, everybody was crazy. It, it sure felt like an all-Leland crowd down there on Saturday. There couldn't have been a whole lot of people left uh, you know, in the 2,000-person town uh, in what Coach Joe Berta referenced after the game as the little town in the little peninsula, which I thought was, I thought that was cool when he was talking about teams downstate knowing who Leland soccer is now. The ending, the fact that they won that game, was very exciting and maybe masked a lack of exciting scoring chances in the game. What was the ending like? What were, as those final seconds were, were ticking down, was it a, a mad scramble by Ann Arbor Greenhills to try to get something on, on net, or was, was Leland in charge of that? No, actually, it, it was kind of a really bizarre scenario. So probably Leland's best chance to net a second goal uh, was, I, I never got the clarification on it. It didn't really end up making... A whole lot of difference but they were awarded what I believe was an indirect kick basically 10 yards off the the post of Green Hills goal and they didn't really get any kind of quality shot off and that was somewhat near uh you know the end of the game and then after that the ball kind of stayed on that end of the field but then specifically in like the final 20 or 30 seconds there was this odd sequence of events where Nobody seemed to know who had touched the ball last or who was throwing in, and then the clock kept running down, and then the officials are waving to stop the clock, and then they'd get everything stopped, and then the clock ticked down another couple of seconds, and then people are yelling, oh, there needs to be more time on the clock, and, you know, basically it seemed like everybody was entirely confused as to what was going on, and finally... They never put any more time on the clock, but finally, three seconds left, Leland just tossed the ball in, and, I mean, Green Hills knew it was over. They were, there was no way they were going to score from midfield with three seconds to play, but it was just kind of a hodgepodge of uncertainty as far as the, the last few seconds were concerned. But, I mean, after that, then it was just a mad rush by Leland's bench, and everybody on the field kind of ran back towards Gavin Miller, uh, who earned yet another shutout for Leland. They've got seven. They finished the season with 17 shutouts and a lot of a lot of happy faces. Joe Berta was pretty happy. He embraced a, a few of his players, all of his fellow coaches, and a lot of tears from the Green Hills players as well. I mean, none of that surprised me, especially about the game, especially over the last few weeks that I've seen them play. It, it really was a defensive game. Once they got out of that uh, district semifinal against um, McVeigh, Northern Michigan Christian, where they laid it on 8-0, to they were playing some better teams, a little bit better competition, and Coach Bird acknowledged that moving into the playoffs that you know the game started to mean more and they actually started to mean something as opposed to how you know how they kind of played their season, scoring, what is it, 157 goals and only letting up 19 and with those 17 shutouts, like you said. That's nuts. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, the last few games really were a bit tighter contested, and I think that really was kind of the brand of soccer that they fell back into after dominating teams the whole season. 
they knew they needed to get an early lead, which they did in these last few games. In the final, they got that goal in, the, in seven minutes. In the semifinal, they had one five minutes in, and they, pu- they plugged on another one not too short after that. And the thing is, is I saw them kind of fall back into a more reserved sense. It's kind of what I'm getting the, the grasp of what the game was like on Saturday, was that there wasn't too many offensive, I guess, attacking positions that they got themselves into because they knew that their defense is good enough to not let anybody score. And I think I told you before the game, before you even went down there, that I thought that Ann Arbor Green Hills wasn't going to be able to score on them. And I think it turned out just that way because Leland's defense has been that good all season. Yeah, you know, the the thing was, I didn't I didn't necessarily think that Leland dialed it back after they had that goal. I thought they were still trying to score, maybe attack attacking at a moderate level. You know, they weren't going all out for obvious reasons. But I think Green Hills did, you know, they played a solid defensive game after recovering from that. And, I you know, I think both teams from that point just relied on their back end a lot. But, you know, one thing that I wanted to ask you, Jake, because you specifically because you saw that semifinal, Jesus Calderon Balcazar, he scored two goals, including the game winner in that one. I mean, all season long it had been Kobe Lund leading the Comets in scoring goals and assists. But then it was Calderon Balcazar in these last two games that really kind of shouldered the load. What did you see when they were in that situation in the semifinal as far as him kind of taking over the game? Well, I, I don't know if it's so much that he was taking over the game, especially in that semi semifinal just about everybody on that team looked at me and said, I think we played a really good team game. Kind of like what you mentioned from on Saturday with them having really good at those 10, 15-feet passes, making the opposing team really react to everything that they're doing and not give them any time to kind of settle in and like make a, make a move on their own or really even have any kicks that they could place over the top of the defense or anything like that. But, you know, with uh, Jesus Calderon Balcazar, he, he is fantastic around the net, but... They have three or four strikers on that Leland team who have done this all season, and Jesus was one of those. I just think he was the guy who was able to step up in this in the right place at the right time, you know, for Leland in this run. In those last couple of the last couple of games, he's done more for this offense than anybody else. Um, you know, you talk about Cole Blunt, you talk about Michael Roberts, Jack Munoz, who played fantastic over the last couple games that I've seen. He set up a lot of offensive chances, and in that semifinal game. He is the one who got the ball to Calderon Bacazar and kind of made those opportunities happen. His footwork is incredible, and seeing that these are all still young guys, they are losing quite a few good guys, but I think Leland's already has an ex- exceptional amount of talent coming back for next year, and especially with Calderon Bacazar, you know, how, how better can you get at the end of the season being able to basically carry your team with those last three goals? All right, enough analysis at this point. Let's try to spark a little, if not debate, let's just be a little thought-provoking. James, what's your opinion just on the, you know, Jake mentioned it, 157 goals scored, 19 goals allowed. What was more impressive this year, Leland's offense or its defense? I'd go defense. Leland has a lot of games in, over the past few years where they, they beat teams 8 to nothing on a pretty regular basis, so we're, we're kind of used to seeing that. But 19 goals over the course of a whole season, especially how long of a season as this was, with the playoff run, that, I mean, that's just downright impressive. I mean, 17 shutouts, that's crazy. Um, you know, Elk Rapids is kind of the same way. They just, you know, caught one less break here or there than, uh, than Leland, or they could be in the same situation. Brendan, you covered this team a lot last year when you were uh, still, I did, still but on apparently the sports some desk. of the players don't know that. <laughs> um, 
But one thing that Joe Berta said after the game was that, you know, there's been a lot of years in the past where they thought they had a chance to do what these Comets did and win a state title, but none of them had what this group had. A lot of this team is the same from last year. You know, did you get a sense that even though they didn't make it this far a year ago and even necessarily get past Buckley in their own conference, that this was a team on the rise and, and could uh, accomplish something like this this year? Oh, of course. I mean, you you could see last year the, the talent that kind of that coursed through that team uh, when they were on the field. Uh, just an incredible collection of players that you have there, and with Lund, and with Roberts, and with Calderon Balcazar, um, with, with Gavin Miller and Nett. Yeah, I, I saw this as a, a team that right off the bat, after they lost last year, I said they're a state title contender right now. And the fact that they won doesn't surprise me. The fact that, I mean, I did expect them to win. The, the Looking at some of the stats that you've got there, the 17 shutouts is incredibly uh, impressive. The, what is it, 157 goals? Mm-hmm. They probably could have scored 200 if there wasn't a mercy rule in soccer. <laughs> oh, that's, more than that, I would guarantee right? it. Yeah, you're probably I mean, right. They they I, they, hadn't, they, I hadn't even considered that. They could have put it on teams, just, just poured it on. Uh, you know, one after the other. I don't know how many eight nothing games they won, but I believe it was eleven. Eleven. I think it was eleven, is what I counted the other day. So let's just <laughs> let's just give them eighty eight more goals, yeah. and say that they scored eight in in the second half. Really, really great team. Very intelligent soccer players. I, I will say this, and they're not going to want to hear it, but I think that loss to Buckley really lit a fire underneath that team. I think they learned a lot in that game. I think they learned a different, uh, maybe not strategy, but a a different level of soccer when they had to play that physical Buckley team that that really grinds it or, you know, know, grinds it at you and and takes it at you. I I think that was a a big help. And um, what they did this year, Really impressive, and I'm upset that I didn't get a chance to see it because I was supposed to, you know, head down to the game with you and Harrison, watch the game, and I ended up having to cover Iceman, and I'll take the couple extra hours of overtime. That, that That's fine with me, but I sure would have liked to see a state championship. Well, you mentioned that loss to Buckley. I mean, that's one of two losses in now the last calendar year for Leland Soccer after only losing that first game or the, in the first week weekend tournament against Cadillac this season, you know, I'm sure they use that Buckley loss as a bit of motivation because they've only lost one game since then. It was the game directly after that, and then it was like, no, you know, no dice for them. But I wanted to bring this up is uh, one thing when I first got in here, we had talked about Leland soccer the year before. You know, we talked about some of these players with Koblan and stuff like that, and you guys really had told me, like, you know, this this is one of the area teams that we think has a really good shot as a state championship, and that was – all the way back in March when we weren't even thinking about, you know, boys soccer. You guys said, you need to look out for Leland. We got here at the beginning of the season, and I think all of us kind of took it for granted for a minute because they just, there, there wasn't even a question. We'd get a phone call every night, and they were winning 8-0. to zero. It just, it went and it went and went, and then we all kind of took a step back, and we had a chance to watch these guys play. And I think they even just got better as the season went on. You know, they, they went on whatever, 27-game win, you know, without losing. Lossless. You know, yeah, lossless streak. They had three ties in there, but uh, including against Cadillac, who they lost to. So, obviously, they were getting better as the season went on, and I think that's what happened is from the point that you saw them against Buckley last year when they finished to the very beginning of the season when they kind of hit their low to where I caught them and then where you caught them. They were 
going up the whole time. And they were playing better teams. I don't know if Ann Arbor Greenhills was the best team that they played this season, but I definitely know that the road wasn't anything short of spectacular for them to go through number one, number two, number three, or they are number two, number one, number three, number four, all in the same way to their state championship. James, 15 years, uh, uh, you've covered a lot of Leland volleyball and Leland soccer, and like I mentioned, we're going to have two Leland volleyball players in the studio uh, later on in this show, Uh, but Leland volleyball had already won a series of state championships. This is the first state championship for Leland boys soccer, despite a run of a number of years where they've been highly ranked in the state. Is this title bigger or a potential Leland volleyball title later this month bigger for Leland and the community? I would definitely have to go with the soccer, I think, because it's, it, it puts Leland on the map in another sport. Uh, you know, volleyball, they're already there. You know, everybody throughout the high school volleyball scene knows Leland's volleyball, knows that they're very good. They're very good every year. You know, Leland up until now was more of just kind of a regional powerhouse in soccer you know they were pretty good every year for about the last decade um yeah let me let me jump in here let me jump in here real quick joe berta's uh career record at leland in nine years and this doesn't count the state championship game so i'm i think i'm going to add one his career record 170 you're going to add one or you're going to okay i'm going to add one assuming that that's the right thing to do Uh, if that's the case Joe Berta's career record at Leland, 177, 38, and 10. I'll let you continue, James. Yeah. <laughs> because like, like, I, like that you know, points out, you know, they were a regional powerhouse around here, but um, not necessarily a household name, I guess, in high school soccer circles. Um, and I think this puts them there. Um, you know, volleyball, Leland is good almost every year. You know, and... And it's interesting that the when Leland won its first volleyball state title forty years ago, uh, it was against Ann Arbor Greenhills, and uh, and then when the soccer team wins its first state title, it's over Ann Arbor Greenhills. So it's just an interesting little tie-in. Uh, Joe did say after the game because somebody mentioned to him in the in the media scrum about you know downstate teams are going to want to schedule them now because they know who they are and. Pretty much said, bring them on. We want that. <laughs> and I, I just looked it up. It was 13 games this season where Leland scored eight goals or more. 13. Uh, 11 of those were eight to nothing. So I was right on the 11. That's what I was uh, thinking. And then there was a, one of them was like eight to two, and then there was a nine to one game against yep. Charlevoix as well. I'm serious. They would have scored 200 <clears throat> goals. Oh, well, yeah. At least. At least 200 goals. I mean, and that's not saying those weren't all done at halftime, of course, but... You know, because once once after half, once you reach eight, true. Yes, but still, I was still my, my gorilla math. I was there's already. There's still plenty of room for more goals that could have happened. There's plenty of unplayed soccer. We've talked about that before. Like, what is the actual maximum potential of whatever whatever it is? Twenty seven eighty minute games for Leland soccer. I think that would the 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 ceiling on that. I don't even know if we could put a number on it. You know, Jake, how many times did you see them play this year? I think it's three now. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember seeing them last year, and Joe Berta sometimes, and what drove me crazy is it was in the the regional, uh, uh, the regional championship or the regional semifinal game. They were up six nothing going into the half. Koblund had four goals already, and it was raining and cold and windy. You were so and mad they I didn't come out and score in the game. I just wanted to go home. <laughs> 
And Berta didn't keep his starters in the game in the second half. And... It took a little bit of time for those last two goals. Those two goals never came. Oh. Yeah, we had a... It, it, I was not too thrilled with it. Um, but did you notice him ever no. doing something well, like that? The, Any, the majority... Anytime would, did he, was he not calling off the dogs this year? No, I, I mean, the, the, no. The majority of the time that I was there, it was also very high-profile games, you know, with the regional final, state semifinal, a little bit further back. But I don't think they took their foot off the gas literally at all this year. There was times... You know, he described to me as having 12 or 13 guys who really made a difference on the team this year. That means there's only one or two subs coming in and doing it. He he kept the foot on the gas pedal most of the year, and I think he did that because when Leland started to get up three, four, five goals, that's when they started to play their real game. They had some real swagger when they were up five or six goals, and I don't think that Berta wanted to kind of mess with that chemistry. And I think it worked out for the better because they had more opportunities and they can almost treat every game this season like a practice, it seemed like. When he kind of went into the postseason, he kind of made a, a side comment that the game started to actually mean something now because they were rolling over teams so bad. Um, I don't think they took the foot off the gas pedal. I think that kind of might have been what helped lead them to the next level was making sure that they are playing at 100% all 80 minutes of every game. That state championship recap brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's, freak yeah. We welcomed in Leland volleyball players Allie Martin and Ellis Siddle into the Get Around Podcast studio. Because we can't get enough Leland. That's right. We all are, Leland all the time. We are the United Leland. Podcast of Leland. Leland. So let's go ahead and listen to that now. I'm pleased to welcome in Leland volleyball players Allie Martin and Ella Siddle into the Get Around Podcast studio. Thank you guys for making the drive from Leland. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, of course. Thank you. All right, so we're in the midst of regionals now. You guys play your regional semifinal game uh, tomorrow. That's Tuesday. This podcast being recorded on Monday. Is the level of excitement to be at this point in the season a little higher? Yeah, no, it definitely is. Like, knowing that if you lose, you're out. Like, we're just going all out for every ball. Like, we're super excited to play, and we're just taking it, like, one game at a time. But as far as districts go, you know, I kind of mentioned this uh, in our pre-show conversation, but, I mean, the, the level that the Leland program is at, I mean, the thought of losing districts is basically an impossibility. So does that even feel like the playoffs yet when you when you hit districts, or is this kind of the real start of the postseason? I mean, we want to go into every game with the same mentality, like, you know, we're going to play our game. and So every, I mean, we don't, we don't like to look at it as, like, every game is, like, a huge deal. I think it's more of, like, playing our game, which is the most important. Okay. Match, so. Well, before we get into the upcoming matchup, just how much – you know, since last year, the the season ended a little bit earlier than I think most people thought it would. Obviously, Roger City was a great team, but what what have you taken all the way back from last season, that regional loss, and plugged into this year as you guys have uh, moved forward? You you won the Northwest Conference, and uh, now, like I said, playing regional semis on Tuesday. Yeah, I think we have a little feel for the fire now. Like we just want to get past that round. Like we want to prove ourselves. Yeah, so we're just really focused on winning that game, like, to prove to everyone, like, we deserve to be here and, like, we deserve to go down. Is there a little pressure being that you had 
the the kind of the hiccup last year or bump in the road that you know, man, we don't want to be the first team in like a long time to go two years in a row without being going down to the final four. Yeah, no, yeah, I definitely feel like there's a little bit of pressure, but we're a different team than last year, new set of girls, so I definitely think that we're able to do it. Yeah, I think definitely our um, mentality has changed, and we've really worked on um, taking it game by game and just going all out every point, so I think our mentality has definitely changed from last season to this season. Now, you guys are ranked number one uh, in the state. You guys have been for a couple of weeks now, which isn't you know quite as high as they've put you guys over the last couple of years. I mean, what does it mean to you guys not being the underdog now that you're going into the regionals and everybody's kind of got that target on your back? Um, so, like, while we look at rankings, like, it's nice to be ranked number one, but we don't really, like, yeah, like, it's nice, but we don't really use that to dictate how we play. We just kind of focus on what we're doing and, like, the rankings are what they are. Like, it's nice to be number one, but we just focus on what we're doing. Yeah, I think the rankings are good to see. I also think that the rankings could be um, inaccurate as well. I think we should just take it as you know, playing our game every match, even if a team is ranked lower, I don't think we should ever look at it like that. And now, obviously, everybody in the state knows what type of program Leland has been. You know, we even talk about it as maybe being the first ones in a while if you didn't make the Final Four. I mean, having, you know, that expectation, not just from you guys and yourself, and I know Coach Glass holds you guys to a very high standard, but to the rest of the state, what, what type of pressure comes with that? Or do you guys just kind of disregard that and say, we're the best for a reason, you guys kind of watch and see how it's done. You know, I think we we do have, like, a really well-known, like, program, and I think it's, like, we're fundamentally really a sound program, like, a really good uh, program. I think, you know, there's different teams every year, and I think you can't just, we can't just expect to be one, we can't expect to have just one mantra. I think every team just has their own um, strengths, and I think we just have to capitalize on that, so... Yeah. We've mentioned Coach Glass. I mean, she's been leading the Leland program for a long time. So many state championships uh, to her name. But, you know, if, if somebody who hasn't ever seen a Leland volleyball match or, you know, doesn't know about Coach Glass, like what would you, what would you tell them about her? What is, it, what is it like to play for her? Um, it's like it's, she's like it's tough love, really. So she'll like if we are struggling, she may – like yell at us and that may come off across as like aggressive to other people but like to us that's just tough love like she is a super great coach like she has all the experience so it's just like the constructive criticism that really helps us that people might misunderstand oh yeah I remember my um our first meeting before volleyball um she basically said if I'm not yelling at your kid I don't think they can get better so I think um you know if she's not correcting you I think you should probably be worried because you know, she might not have to you, but... You guys, you've both been contributing since the time you were freshmen. Even, I'm, I'm sure you had some idea about her coaching style coming in, but did that still take a little bit of getting used to? I mean, would you say, you know, you had to get a little bit thicker skin from the time that you came in as freshmen? And what was maybe the, you know, toughest challenge or critique that you had to take from Coach Glass over the last four years? Well, so we did get constructive criticism from her even as freshmen, but now being seniors and having to be leaders, we're getting, like, even more of that. So I definitely think, yeah, we needed thicker skin for that, for sure. Yeah, that was a pretty big transition. I think early on it was more of, like, technical critiques, and I think it's kind of transitioned into more of, like, a mentality, you know, like, scoring, you know, like, always having the mindset to score in a game. And I think it's, she's just taught us, like, different ways to, have a mental strength within a game. 
one thing that you've mentioned to me a few times this season, and I know this has to do with Coach Glass since we're on the topic, um, I know you said practice is the hardest time that you guys really have. It's not that, you know, games aren't, you know, a tough competition or anything like that, but is it the way that, that you guys approach it yourselves? Is it the way that Coach Glass makes you, you know, perform every day in every practice? I mean, what, explain that to, you know, everybody as why practice is really what, what has made you what you are. Yeah, so basically she, um, we've been doing a lot more um, mental drills this season, more than any other season I think I've ever been a part of or any team I've been a part of. She sets up wash drills, what we call them, and basically we're scrimmaging against each other and, you know, the odds are kind of set against us, you know, in a drill. We'll be down, like, today we were down, like, 19-22. Yeah. And then we had to try to score and win the game, and I think it was just... It's really important to prepare us for those moments where we are down in a game and we have to know right away how to get back up and score. So. Yeah, she like sets drills up so that we are we have to be able to like push back, like being aggressive. Like she sets us up not for failure, but we have to like work hard for the win. She's not like just gonna give it to us, so I know I know she describes volleyball as a game of mistakes. How much do you guys focus on not making those mistakes, or is it more about being reactive to how the other team goes, or do you guys like to kind of dominate the flow of a game? Yeah, so when we make mistakes, we try not to get too like mental about it because that can change your entire game. So if you make a mistake, we're just going to let it go, focus on the next point. And it's better for us to focus on ways to score rather than like concentrating on the mistake you just made. And talk a little bit, I know one of the big strengths of your guys' teams is always your defense. Um, and uh, just talk a little bit about the complexity of your guys' defense as far as in relation to a lot of other schools. Oh, yeah, I think our defense is super strong. Um, you know, even with our, like, front row, our blockers, we, you know, we have Sarah Elwell in addition to her sister Hannah, and they're just, they're the Elwell, you know. Yeah. They're, they're always up, and they just read the hitter so well. And I think it says a lot about our back row defensive players, you know, Mia, Tatum, Allie in the back row, just digging up tons of balls, crazy plays, and... I think it has to do with the mentality of our dig-or-die mentality. You know, if we don't get this ball, then we might not win the point, and we just got to go all out. So I think it's it's huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah in defense, we try to make an effort to, like, get a touch on every ball and just to stay disciplined, so, like, stay where we, staying um, where we are and then going where we read, so. Mm-hmm. And your guys' defense is a lot different than other teams in that you guys really don't go for the blocks a whole lot, right? I mean, your, your blockers are yeah. primarily there just to kind of funnel – the opposing hitters to hitting to a specific place where your defense is going to be. Yeah, I think to an we, extent, right? Yeah, we've put. Um, I think we put emphasis on being in the right spot and reading the hitter. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I think we have put more emphasis this year on our block. You know, with Sarah and Hannah, and I think when they're up there, it's you know, it's going to be tough for the other hitters to find a spot. But I think we have to be ready for those open shots. So as you guys approach. You know, the end of a season, regardless kind of a, what you're round, what round you're in at this point, how much do you talk just as players amongst yourselves about getting to the Final Four or winning a state title, or is that just something that everybody kind of keeps in the back of their mind and doesn't say out loud? No, we talk about it every day. Like, that's just, like, our goal. Like, we say it every day. Like, we want to go down to Battle Creek. Like, we're going to go down. So it's just, like, I don't know. Like, we're very confident. Like, we want to just instill that confidence in other people, so we just continuously talk about it. What did going down to Comstock Park this weekend and seeing the Leland Boys soccer team win a state championship, what did that do for you guys? You uh, Was the whole team there? 
The majority. Yeah. I think okay. Yeah. I mean, did, does that kind of get you guys amped up to try to do the same thing and bring two state titles to Leland oh, yeah. in the same season? Yes. <laughs> that was pretty hype to watch. I think that's definitely been our goal this season. And I think just, like, watching that happen was just very inspiring. Yeah. And I think. Absolutely. It hyped us up a little bit, so. What do you What do you think it is about Leland? I mean, why, why that program and you, know, you guys playing volleyball? Why so much success out of uh, as as Coach Berta called it? I think in his post game interview, the the little school up in the little peninsula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you talking about just for soccer or for just volleyball? In general, in I mean, you know, so many players on the soccer team, the whole volleyball team. I mean, that's a lot of success for one school. I think one of the reasons is, like, since we are such a small school, um, like, the teammates are able to, like, interact with each other all the time. So not only are they with each other on the field or on the court, like, they're with each other in school, so they're able to form bonds that might not happen um, at bigger schools because there's so many kids. The, the two of you kind of represent the two of the different spectrums of one of the kind of issues, I guess, in sports, in that you play one sport, right? Mm-hmm. And you play three. <laughs> how, how do you think that, the, that doing that has helped you guys, respectively, in your in your games? Uh, for me, I think, I mean, I used to, I used to play, you know, in elementary school, like all the sports, and I think those were good. I think for me, it was just picking one and then kind of seeing, you know, if I, how much I could get better at it every day. And, and then I think that kind of, um, made me just want to focus on that sport, volleyball. So I used to play basketball, um, freshman year and then I just switched to um, volleyball and then club and then soccer but I think that playing volleyball and dedicating that time definitely helped me get better like fundamentally and stuff but then also having the break of soccer and kind of getting off my feet with like with jumping and running instead um, I think it was just a good balance so that I would have take away time to focus on something else and then coming back and being like fresh and motivated to start again. No, I do want to go back to the the state championship talk uh, just for a second. Is there you went down there and you guys obviously get hype? Is there any is there any feel that you guys wanna go out and like not even want up them but match them and bring back the first tandem boy girl state title in Leland you know high school history? Is that something? Is, I'm not pressure, but it, what what's the emotion that you guys have that you can tie into what you've seen to what you're uh, capable of? I think I just feel like excitement, like seeing them accomplish something like for the first time in our school's history, like just, I don't know, like fills me up, I think. Like I'm just super motivated to do that for us now and have it be the first time ever that both girls and boys have won. With, with the way that Coach Glass has ran this program over the years, what what does it say about Coach Glass that there has been such sustained success? And obviously there's girls who, you know, want to get coached by her who, who can't play for Leland, who aren't playing for Leland, or who are in these club teams out here. You know, we even had a chance to talk to Jessica Leffler, and she told us that one time Coach Glass just called her and just was just like, hey, this is what you got to do, do it. I mean, that's a different type of coaching style. What does it say about the longevity um, that you guys have even entered into this program, I'm sure partially because of the success, and um, what's going forward with what you guys are able to leave after being the senior leaders on this team? I don't think she's just a volleyball coach. You know, I think she. you look at a volleyball coach and you evaluate, you know, like how good are they uh, at teaching technique and fundamentals, and I think she does that plus, like, a lot more. Like, she teaches you, like, the mental game, you know, like, prepares you for later on in life and your careers and your, you know, just your everyday life and choices you make. And I think we um, stress a lot about, like, themes in our seasons. We stress a lot about just, like, you know, the, like, morals, I guess. Um, So she's just, like, 
an all-around just a great coach, and you just couldn't get that anywhere else, I don't think. Yeah, like, she not only cares about you as a player, but, like, a person as well, and, like, your success in life and the game, so she just cares about, like, everyone as a person, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the, the bonus that you get with Lori is Alicia comes f- along with that. And, <laughs> and she was a hitter in high school and a setter, obviously, at the, the right. highest levels yeah. of volleyball out there. What, what have you guys been able to draw from her? What, what has, has she been able to pass on to you guys? So she actually, I think in the summer, she came to coach one of our practices. And so we were actually able to get, like, the technique that they use at USA. And it was just, like... It was just a crazy experience, like, because that's the next level of volleyball, and being able to teach the fundament or being taught the fundamentals that they use was just, like, once-in-a-lifetime experience. Like, it was incredible. Yeah. It's just, like, I mean, the legacy she's left, um, it's just, like, you can't really describe it. She's just, you know, an example of someone who is just, like, an example of, like, a leader, you know? She just has done so much, and I think it's just kind of insane to see her. <laughs> Whenever she walks in, it's kind of crazy. But speaking of legacy, I did want to ask you guys, I know I had a chance to speak with you before the season, and you've been working towards, you know, that assists, um, being in the top five all-time in Michigan in assists, and, um, you know, what you guys have been able to do trying to get back to a Final Four. I mean, what type of legacy, you know, even in such a storied program as Leland, do you think this team is going to be able to leave on the program itself? So I think that even if we aren't able to win states, like, of course, it's our goal. But I think that, like, just the way our program is run, we want to leave the legacy that, like, we worked as hard as we could. And that helps, like, little girls that want to be in the program. Like, I hope that they look up to us and want to do what we do. Um, So I hope we just leave the legacy, like, working hard. You can just accomplish what you want if you work hard. Yeah, I think definitely a big thing this season is just doing our jobs. I think we found that if we're down in a match and we kind of separate into our own selves, it's not going to do us any good, I think, just doing our jobs and always communicating and just working hard. You guys have gone down to, to Battle Creek uh, twice in your guys' career. That is uh, of everything that I have ever covered in my life, the loudest venue oh, yeah. of anything. How, how, as a player, do you guys deal with that? I mean, how does the loudness affect you guys on the court with your communication? Because I know that's a big key in volleyball is communication, but it is, it is just so loud in there for that. How does yeah. that impact you guys? I think sometimes it's hard to hear. I think, um, but when we get into, like, a certain zone, I think it's just we can kind of communicate not only, like, verbally, but we can just kind of feel. Um, and I think it's important to, like, be able to hear, but I think once you get into, like, a, you know, kind of a zone, you just kind of feel it, you know? Yeah, communication. like freshman year the first time, I thought the noise was definitely overwhelming. But the second time going down there, I feel like, yeah, just like Ella said, like you get in a zone. And even like playing with Ella all these years, like if I pass a ball and she doesn't hear what I like call out, she still knows what to say and I still hit the ball. Right, so like Ellie it's just like, yeah, yeah. Ella just makes, you know, crazy plays out of whatever <laughs> I throw up. and Yeah, so spot, so. you just get a, like in a vibe. Just, just because I've seen the different styles that you guys do play, obviously a very aggressive hitter and then one of the most storied centers, especially in Leland history. How do you guys think that all the different roles that you guys have set out on your team, like you said with the Elwells, being those front-of-the-net presences, and this is normally what happens, but it seems like you guys have been pretty set in this for a while now and exactly what your job is and you guys have gotten better at it. I mean, how does that work to mesh and make a volleyball team what it is and especially one that is as highly skilled as you guys are? So, like, being process-focused um, and having everyone do their own jobs, that just kind of takes care of the score for itself. So when we, we really focus on just doing our job because that way there's no pressure and you just 
focus on your side of the court, and then the score will take care of itself either way. Segment that we do with our guests every week uh, called The Wheelhouse. Jake's got five kind of rapid-fire questions prepared. Uh, I don't know what they are. James, I don't think, knows what they are right now. So he's just going to throw them at you, and uh, you guys can answer kind of with whatever comes off the top of your head first. We may ask for a little bit of a... Elaboration. It's nothing scary. But but we might just we might just move on too. So <laughs> I'll uh, I'll I'll let Jake start with the first one. You you'll get the gist of this as soon as I ask the first question. Just because my favorite holiday is Halloween, and we just got past the weekend. I'm sure you guys got to see all the little kids out trick or treating, everything. But what is the best Halloween costume that you guys saw this year? Well, Halloween night we were at the boys' regionals, so we didn't see a lot of costumes. I would say. Uh, probably my my brother, actually. He dressed up as the nun. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. Oh, the one that just came out? Yes. Oh. It's so it's terrifying, yeah. yeah probably okay. that. How about you, Okay, well, Halloween night, I was actually throwing up in my house. Um, so that was a little scary. I was, I, I had the little stomach flu, I think. Not too much candy? Yeah, probably, or something. Um, but I wasn't really out that night. Um, Did you see anything sure. on Instagram? Any, any... You know, any cool celebrities or something, or if there's if there's if you went out on Halloween, what would you have been? Ooh. If you wouldn't have been sick, what oh, would you gosh. have been? I mm, this is really hard because I think I probably would have been Beetlejuice. Okay, that is like one of my favorite movies. Very nice. Very and nice. I love it. And no, that's always that's always a good choice on Halloween. That's like a staple that you could run with pretty well. Okay, number two for you guys. So, I don't know if you're Game of Thrones fans, but winter's coming, obviously. It's getting cold in northern Michigan. You guys have been stuck in the gym for quite a while now. But what is your guys' favorite winter activity outside of the gym? I like to go tubing with my family at Timberlee. It's just like this huge hill, and you just go and get tubes, and they, like, fling you down as fast <laughs> as you can go. So probably tubing. Yeah, yeah I like sledding. Okay. There's a hill uh, right by Leo Lodge, and it's, like, that hill, and it's just, like, I like to go on it. Have you guys ever done skiing or anything more intense on the downhill side of things? Yeah, I used to ski a lot when I was younger, um, but then I started getting into high school and I was afraid like I didn't want to do anything um, to injure myself, so I kind of just like got away from that. Yeah, I remember skiing with my sister and then she broke her arm twice, the same arm, on two different occasions. So it scared me a little bit, so I was kind of like, oh, it's okay. Kind of learned from other people's mistakes <laughs> yep. on that one. Yep. All right, so we were talking about uh, Olympian Alicia Glass. I'm not sure how far you guys go back with this, but if there was an Olympics that you would have been, been able in the past to participate in on, based on location or, you know, even if it was just to be on the same team as her, I mean, wh where would it be or, or who, what team would it be on? Well, when was the one in um, Brazil? Yeah, Brazil was the one that Alicia played in, right? Yeah. yeah. That's where they got the bronze. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I probably think. Brazil. Yeah. I mean, does that have to do with sand volleyball on those Brazilian beaches? Is, I mean, that, that's oh it's famous down there. Yeah, I mean. it's beautiful. I don't know, like, just kind of that, like, environment, I yeah. guess. That'd be kind of sweet to watch. Okay. Now, and this is a pretty easy one, but I do like to ask people this because it takes me back to my days. Um, and I'm pretty sure everybody has one, but what is your favorite school lunch? Probably taco day on Friday. Mm -hmm. It's pretty solid. solid. Every yeah. Friday? Yeah, every Friday. Oh, but it's not Tuesday? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. I know. Well, I mean, I, I'd rather start the weekend with tacos, too. Yeah. Personally, I think that's a good way to start the weekend. <laughs> now, um, if you guys could go anywhere in the world on vacation together, where would you go and why? Together. Ooh. I mean, if you guys want, don't want to do it together, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of always wanted to go to Greece. 
So I would want to go there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, I'm a big Mamma Mia fan. <laughs> and just watching that movie... Like definitely, I definitely that's yeah. somewhere I'd want to go. Yeah, it was it was easy. They didn't even, they came to agreement like that. They're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. we're, going, we're to going to Greece. To Greece. Yeah. We're flying off. We're going <laughs> to Greece. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. It's that uh, that that's the team wheelhouse. team chemistry right there. Yeah, right. <laughs> like you said, you don't even have to hear each other talk, and it just is it's, there. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just it's there. there. Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, Allie, Ella, thank you so much for joining the Get Around Podcast. We appreciate you coming in, and have a great uh, rest of your run through the postseason. Thank you. Thanks for your time. A big thank you once again to Leland Volleyball's Allie Martin and Ella Siddle as they joined us during their march through regional play and with their eyes on another Final Four and state championship. That interview brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. At Jimmy John's, they're freaks about fresh bread, meats, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak yeah. What are you guys freaks about? Oh, you they're they're know. they're freaks about freshness and you don't cuts of know. meat or something. Actually, no, I'm a freak about is what happens to begin on your birthday: college basketball. My Spartan dogs start tomorrow in the Champions Classic, and I am hella excited. Nice. He's salivating. Seriously, I mean we're probably gonna lose, but that's okay. It's just I'm pretty much a freak a about the gym. Yes, that makes sense. You are a gym freak. You should have seen what his I, ass the I, other day. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I see it every day when you Jesus. walk in the office. No. no. It was my bench press uh, on Sunday that made me pretty happy. What'd you bench? Did you actually, did you finally hit that uh, personal best, that PR we were? Oh, I hit a PR. I, what, 425? I, no, I 395. Okay, my 425. Huh? Ten times? No, just, just once. No. <laughs> right. But then, so I went for 405 on the next one, which is my year-end goal. So I'm feeling pretty good about it still. But I think I might have had it. But I had one of the Y guys spotting for me, and like this, I I've already got it like halfway up, and the second that the bar slows down, he grabs it and helps me fit, helps me pull it up. And I'm like, "What are you doing? Let me finish the rep." Oh, I saw I saw a video of a guy oh, yesterday. He was doing oh. a he was he was just lifting a bar off the ground, and he was trying so hard he just threw up all over the place. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that one no. before, but like projectile vomiting as he's trying to... I think he's doing a deadlift or a dead whatever. James, how do you get your freak on? What gets you freaky? Freaky deaky. Uh, I don't think we can discuss that here. <laughs> Star Wars cards in the mail. Star Wars and pizza. Let's get into the bulletin board, and we're going we're gonna to keep football on the back burner just for a bit because obviously we just had volleyball players in the studio so let's jump right in there. Keep the segue nice and clean. It's not clean if you point it out. Yeah. <laughs> False. You can't bring False. attention to an incredible segue. I, I would have never said it was incredible. It was mediocre at best. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a but transition. It but it worked. Yes. <laughs> it worked. It was mediocre at, at, the, at, at best. Uh, it was like chicken pot pie soup. Leland has Hillman in the regional semifinal, which is going to be held at Bel Air, a game being played Tuesday night. So perhaps you've tuned into this podcast ahead of it. Maybe on the way. Maybe on the way. Little, little if not, that's up. all right. We, we're pretty sure that Leland's going to 
get by Hillman and play in the regional championship game, uh, which would be against either Bel Air or is it Mio or Mayo? Mayo. Mio is just the drink stuff. Mio's that the drink. Oh, okay. Mayo. It's pronounced Mayo. It's I'm like, sure it's that's it's what, what it you is. put on your sandwich. Meow. No. Uh, Hopefully you just get meow the... like a cat? No. I s- <laughs> no. I said meow. It took a w- it took a minute for that to register. I, I said like, meow. Did... Well, I'll I'll phrase this question perhaps a bit back. I mean, are we getting ahead of ourselves penciling Leland into a Final Four and probably a, a state championship game already, James? I think that's always you know on the menu with with Leland. It seems to be more often than not. You know, I, I don't see Hillman being a team that's going to put a, you know, a bump in that road. Um, they've already played Bel Air, I believe, this year and won. Uh, so Yeah, there, there's certainly no team like a Rogers City in this regional like last year. That's that's who ended the Comet season last year, and, and Rogers City ended up going to the state championship game. Maybe not a pencil in, but, you know, if the get-around bump has anything to do with it, them being on our po- our show today and then playing regionals this week probably fares well for the Leland Commons. Our audible viewers may or may not want to believe it, but the get around bumps a real thing. Exactly, it's absolutely a real thing. It is a real thing that I made up. Okay, you can have that one. Uh, we've seen the results, and most I also exclusive I, club in Northern Michigan. And is I, mine. I, I also stole it from Stephen Colbert and the Colbert bump. So, well, that's yeah, okay. exactly. That's wow. okay. Credit where credit is due, but I believe there is it's a, a easy. I believe there is an actual correlation between coming on the get around and being the best you can be. No, I mean, granted, we are you know bringing in athletes who are talented, yeah, top of their, who top play of their on who on who play on teams that are talented. So undoubtedly, they'll have some measure of success after talking to us. Hopefully, I won't, I won't take all the credit. Not like we're bringing on any raggedy ass old beach bums. <laughs> And I can say that because they no longer exist. So much for being 34. You're, st- you're still feeling like a 16-year-old, aren't you? I'm, exi- the only, I'm excited about 34 because uh, 34 is Bryce Harper's jersey number. And he is going to be signing with the Chicago White Sox along with Manny Machado and uh, Patrick Corbin. Nolan Arenado next year. Yeah, Chicago White Sox, the destination um, of destinations in Major League Baseball. Who doesn't want to play second fiddle to the Cubs? <laughs> right. Well, we did. We did cover a lot of Leland volleyball with Allie and Ella. Let's take a look at Kingsley real quick in the Division Two bracket, and obviously the the matchup of the postseason as far as local coverage goes. And that's a, a potential regional championship match between the Stags and the Vikings. It's happened in the districts multiple times over the last number of years. Cadillac has always come out on top. You know, this uh, Cadillac's a talented team, but they're young. This may be Kingsley's time to grab hold of the opportunity and go on to a Final Four. James, you were in Benzie to see Cadillac play just to kind of get a feel for the Vikings because we hadn't seen them in person yet this year, uh, but get a feel for their talent level and what that matchup kind of uh, may be. Assuming Kingsley gets by Kingsford and Cadillac gets by Gladwin, what are you expecting out of uh, the matchup that we've basically been pumping up and hyping for four months? Yeah, I think both of those teams will get by those 
those other squads that you mentioned. Um, yeah, I think it should be a great matchup. Um, seeing Cadillac play against Benzie in the districts, uh, they were a pretty impressive team. They've got good height, size all around. Uh, they're, they're fairly young, so that they're going to be pretty good for a couple years to come, too. Um, but <clears throat> Kingsley may have a little bit of the advantage on them in experience because of that this year, so um, this could be the, the prime opportunity for them to, to do that. But we kind of thought that was the same thing for TC West football, <laughs> getting over the Rockford bugaboo, and, and that didn't happen. No, I mean, Kingsley. I've seen Kingsley play a few times this year, really never with their full complement. They're now bringing everybody back there at least, I would say, about 90% healthy across the board. They got Maddie Buys back, but now they have another uh, another setter in Elena. Heiler. Yeah, Elena Heiler, who has stepped up and played really, really meaningful points for them this season, and she's going to stay on you know, the varsity roster and be able to fill in for Maddie when she's on the back row and not able to serve with her shoulder. Uh, Maddie Buys, that is, but, I mean, I think Kingsley's – they're about to eclipse 50 wins, and this is... If they win the regional semifinal, yeah. they will hit 50 on the Yeah, year. and I, I, think it's, I think it's time that Kingsley's starting to roll, and like you guys said, uh, Cadillac does have a bit younger team with the experience that Kingsley's had this season. They've played up a lot. They've played a very, very, very tough schedule, so Cadillac is not, uh, by any means, intimidating to them. It may have been their bugaboo over the last few years, but I'm pretty sure that each one of us has talked to Coach Hall and when Jessica Leffler was in here with us, she even said that they've been looking at Cadillac like we know we got to get past them, and that's the one that we want. So, I mean, I think they're pretty hyped about this matchup just as much as we are. Mm-hmm. Well, Brennan, we've been we've been hyping this matchup since the inception of this podcast last year. You know, we thought Kingsley was going to get by Cadillac last year. How much do you think mind games can still uh, can still play? Well, I think as James just mentioned, we saw with Weston Rockford, it can. The history of that being there, as much as players will say, now that doesn't affect us, we're a different team. That was last year, that was two years, three years, however long that. But if you, if I think it also plays an effect for the the opposition. So Rockford came into that game four losses, mm-hmm. right? On the year, they had four losses on the year, but they knew that, uh, that they were 8 0 against Traverse City West. Their program was 8 0. And Cadillac might have that same feeling uh, over Kingsley, knowing that they've got. It, it's just how it is. The White Sox bring. We'll bring that up real quick. But they. Some teams just have another team's number, and it's possible that Cadillac has Kingsley's. But this is the right group to have for Kingsley if they're ever gonna break out of that. And uh, I, I'm in agreement with with Jake that. Uh, Kingsley has all the ingredients to get it done this year. Well, my only hope for this regional is that Kingsford and Gladwin, neither one of them, you know, decides to do something special in the in the regional semifinal. Please don't <laughs> rob us of this matchup. Kingsford for is the gonna, love of God, please Kingsford's don't gonna rob us of this. Flame out like some bad charcoal. <laughs> Because King, yeah, Kingsford, Kingsford charcoal, charcoal guys. But yeah. bum. I know we're I know we're, I know we're past uh, grilling season. Where's the bell? It's uh, right behind uh, Brett's bald head. Ding. It's Brendan's winner right there for the day. All right. All right, and the last team that uh, not the last team that we have in the postseason, but the last one that we have time to touch on for today is Traverse City St. Francis in Division Three, and the the Gladiators. Uh, get Roger City 
in the regional semifinal, and that's why Leland doesn't have to worry about them anymore because they jumped up a division from last year after being in Division Four. Look at us learning something new every day. My I'm, now, I saw St. Francis play a couple of times. I just watched them uh, beat Grand Traverse Academy last week for the district title. Now, that was a sweep. I believe they played uh, North Bay in the first round. Mm-hmm. They dropped the first set in that one before winning three straight. And my only, I mean, St. Francis has absolutely has as much talent as anybody. I could see them making a run to the Final Four, but I could just as easily see them, you know, see their season ending here in the regional semifinal only because there's been enough inconsistency over the course of this season where, you know, they drop a match or they just even drop a couple of sets that against an opponent that maybe they shouldn't have. They have all the talent in the world. Uh, all of the talent in the world? Well, if you look at Molly Mirabelli, yes, all of the talent in the world. She's very, very good at volleyball. So they're going to win, then, if they have all the talent in the world. They're, they're the gonna, Monsters. They're win. No. I mean, I'm not saying they're not going to win. But the like... Monsters are not of this world. <laughs> anyway. But they did have all the talent of this world. They're otherworldly. Otherworldly, but they took all the talent of this world. All right, fine. Muggsy Bogues. Fine. He got you on that one. You Anyways, I forgot what I was going to say because I started thinking about You were thinking about Muggsy Bogues. Yeah, no. I and you're like, who's better, him or Spud Webb? Bra- Bradley, right? Bradley? What, is that his first name? No. <laughs> Sean Bradley? <laughs> yeah, thank you. James knew what I was trying to go for. Bradley. 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 Sean Bradley. Bradley Cooper? That, that's, what? That's Brett's thing now. Do you think Sean we, Bradley? We can... Do you think Sean Bradley was pleased with the way he was portrayed by the Monstars in that movie? Oh, are you asking me? I mean, you're looking at me, and I, I have no opinion on Sean Bradley and his portrayal in the classic Space Jam. Well, he just was, I mean, none of the Monstars were intelligent, but he was kind of dumb. <laughs> I digress. Anyways, Let's get back to yeah, St. No, Francis. I was going to say, I, I think that they definitely have a lot of talent on that team. Me and you have talked about them a few times this year. Um, I just don't think that they've actually played their best game yet, so I think they need to find you know, exactly what they can be. I think they have all the pieces to do it, kind of almost like Kingsley, except they. I don't think they've found their identity at any single point this season. Because, like you said, the consistency hasn't been there. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them have a little bit of trouble. Like you said, they've dropped random sets here or there. They'll start off, uh, you know, a match where they'll just drop that first set and then they're playing catch-up the whole way. If they, you know, if once you do that in this type uh, situation, this far into the playoffs, when you get into those regional semifinals, those regional finals, teams aren't going to let you slip away with that. So they really need to kind of shore some things up and put it all on the floor at once if they want to get out of this region. Well, and if they get past Rogers City, then they could in the regional final have a, a match against Calumet and follow up with the football team did to Calumet in the playoffs. Yeah, another beautiful transition. Segway. Un- yeah. Unmentionable in their... Uh, in their hometown, I would imagine. Yeah, let's let's jump into the football recap of Week Eleven. James, you were there. They didn't even need Danny Passano to do it. Uh, he went out of the game with a bit of a rib injury, I understand, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he took a he took a hit to the ribs, and they just kind of set him for the rest of the game, just to, as a precautionary thing, I think. Uh, uh, you know, because it was pretty obvious that they didn't need him. Yeah, nothing, we I mean, need, nothing St. Francis needs to worry about for this coming week against Kingsley, but Calumet was undefeated. I, I think they gave up more points against St. Francis than they had given up the entire season combined. Yeah, pretty what close. Do, what, yeah. Is that, what does that kind of dismantling mean for St. Francis going forward? 
Yeah, I mean, last year they beat Calumet 28-6, to and this year's Calumet team was supposed to be way better than that one because they brought almost everybody back. They were 7-2 and coming in the year before. They were 10-0 and coming into this game. They were supposed to have this incredible defense, just a grinding running game out of the I formation, and St. Francis just took that away from them right from the get-go. They couldn't run the ball at all. Their, their all-state caliber running back ran the ball 14 times for negative 10 yards. Yeah, no, when he, when he said that to me earlier, he goes 14 carries. I was like, what, for like 14 yards? No, negative 10 yards. Negative 10 yards. So then they had to throw the ball, which they don't do a whole lot. It made They're, him look like he wasn't even all YMCA league. Yeah. Then they had to throw the ball, which they had not done a whole lot this season. and Don't want to do that against Artie Dutmers. No, no. I mean, the he, he, he got the uh, get-around bump. He came up with three interceptions. The quarterback was two for 13, I think, passing with five picks. Yeah, so D- Artie so Dutmers seven had, for 13. Yeah, Artie Dutmers had more <laughs> interceptions. He was throwing than he to both teams. teams. Yeah. All-time quarterback. That was, that was the way to play it in, in recess growing up. That's what he thought was going on. I'm, all, I'm just all-time quarterback. <laughs> what, 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 didn't you say that you know they had that strong defense? St. Francis didn't need more than four plays on any, any of their first four drives to score. Is that right? Their scoring drives were one play, four, three, one. Then they had an eight-play drive in the third quarter and a two-play drive in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so five out of six scoring drives that weren't on defense or on special teams were four plays or less against a defense that was supposed to be much vastly improved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Calumet, uh, Calumet, the thing they could take away from it is they won time of possession. <laughs> 28 minutes to 20. Chip Kelly would be proud of the Gladiators' <laughs> effort. That's about the only place that they uh, that they won statistically, I think. I think this is a team that has the realest shot out of almost any team that we've even started with now that has a real shot at a state championship. That state title game, whoever they do play, is obviously going to be a, a dogfight, but... I think getting there isn't going to be an issue for the Gladiators. No, I don't. I don't think so. And uh, you know, Coach Sellers probably won't like us saying things like this on a podcast if any of his uh, players are listening. But you know, when all the, of the ba- players are listening. Ba- basically, when coaches. Basically, when when the bracket came out, I mean, I I penciled them all. I mean, there was no if ands or buts about it. It was like, wow, okay, look at the road that they have, Ithaca and Jackson Lumen Christie on the other side. They're literally. Yeah, guy's already out too. They I know, think I lost right, right, right. But I mean, it was wow. They're literally going to walk all the way to Ford Field, and uh, Tim Moore's probably not happy with me for saying that either. Since St. Francis has Kingsley this week, the Glads will welcome in the Stags uh, in Week Twelve. The Stags ten and one on the season. That lone loss coming against St. Francis in Week Four, and I was in Kingsley on Friday for their game against Beaverton, and wow. I mean, unfortunately, I didn't see Kingsley play early in the year, so it's kind of hard for me to judge just how much they've improved since, say, that week four loss to St. Francis. I guess if I was going to bet, I'd say maybe it'll be a bit closer. What was it, 43-8? to eight? Yeah, it, was, it was not close. No, I believe it was 43-8. to eight. I would, I'd like to believe it's going to be closer than that, but I, I just I can't see anybody beating St. Francis before they play for a state title uh, the day after Thanksgiving. I just I can't. Yeah, I think it'll be a tighter game. Everybody that I talked to on Saturday after the St. Francis game 
You know, so they they expected a tougher game from Kingsley this time around. That Kingsley looks a lot better than they did, you know, what seven weeks ago now, uh, when St. Francis played him the first time. That Kingsley's got a lot of confidence. They got a lot of momentum. You know, obviously things are going well for them, but at the same time, all that's going well for St. Francis too. The closest game that St. Francis has had is like 30, 30 points. Whatever the final was against New Lothrop was probably their closest game. And that was almost thirty points, wasn't it? They, they had with New Lothrop, it was what four thirty-five to fourteen. Yeah, thirty-five to fourteen, so tw- twenty-one points. Yeah, that was that was. And we know how good loss. New Lothrop is. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, no team has has gotten to twenty points this season against St. Francis. No team's even gotten to twenty points, and no they've beaten either. every team by twenty-one or and, more. And the fewest they've scored in a game is thirty-five. Yeah. Well, Kingsley's coach, Tim Moore, knows that they have a huge challenge ahead of them. You know, I asked him about the the matchup. St. Francis hadn't played their game yet because they played Saturday. And he said, yes, we absolutely expect to play St. Francis next week. And, you know, he said this game is almost different than most others that you coach because usually you would fall upon the old saying that defense wins championships. And he said St. Francis has so many weapons that you can't win a game against St. Francis just by playing great defense. He said they have so many weapons that and put so many points on the board. You have to score. I believe the exact quote was, you will not win a 14-7 to game against the Gladiators. You think there are going to be a lot of uh, West fans, former West players, and maybe current West players uh, cheering for Kingsley on the other side of uh, Thurlby Field on Friday? Wouldn't surprise me. Because this is Wurr's return to, to Thurlby because they played, St. Francis played at Kingsley week four. It's probably yeah. a bit of a tough position because I, I would think that a lot of the West kids, you know, they're probably friends with a lot of the St. Francis kids. So, you know, they want the Glads to win. That's what I'm asking. And then, and then yeah, Wurr on the other side for Kingsley, you know, it, it by all accounts, it seems like, uh, you know, leaving West, he was on good terms with his players and, um, you know, the coaching staff there. So it's probably a, a no-lose situation for any spectators of that kind on yeah. Friday. Let's let, – we're going to give Kingsley some bulletin board material here and go around and see how much, of, how much of a chance are we giving Kingsley in this game against St. Francis. You're going to ask us for scores? I'm not asking for, stores, uh, for scores. I'm asking for what chance do they have. What chance do they have to win? A percentage? Yeah. Against St. Francis uh, on Friday, I'm not asking for a score. I don't care if the if St. Francis wins by one or. So we're 40. we're creating we're creating the record eagle football power index here. Yeah. Sure, like, the FPI. Yeah, like like ESPN runs on all its games I'll, now. It's playoff football. You don't know. It's insightful. Well, no, but it's playoff football. Uh, you know everybody's bringing everything they got. Wars in a situation where now he gets to actually play St. Francis, which is not something that's happened in a long time, and I'm sure. In the back of his mind, it's something that he wants to be able to show, maybe even just himself, that you know he's been that coach in the Traverse City area who can you know kind of take take care of everybody else. I, I just I don't want to down Kingsley because they have been on such a like such a roll. It is unfortunate that they have to run through St. Francis at this point. I mean, at any point, it's kind of unfortunate. better now than the first round. Yeah, exactly. You, you brought a trophy home already, which. Looking at Kingsley's team a year ago, nobody would have thought that was ever going to happen, let alone even make the postseason. Oh, two and seven to ten and one. One and eight. I, I haven't seen oh, Kingsley. Oh, one and eight. Yes. Oh, good lord. So I haven't seen Kingsley play, so I can't give them. Uh, I can't give them the, the correct odds they probably deserve. 
But I mean, if I'm not going 50 50, I'll go 70 30. 70 30? I'll go 70 30. Okay, I'm going to. I will give Kingsley a 17.3% chance to win that game on Friday. Okay. Where does 17.3 come from? It's just a gut feeling. Okay. My gut is very precise. All right. You don't have a gut. You got a nice nine pegs. James, what's your Uh, 10%? I mean, Kingsley's got to play a perfect game. They've got to avoid turnovers. They have to force some turnovers. They have to have some bounces go their way. Um, You know, it's going to have to be a perfect storm for for Kingsley to pull this off. Can they do it? Yeah. But, you know, I I wouldn't bet on it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll give them 70-30 purely out of the, the playoff football Beating a team or two tw- two times in a season, I'm sure War will be a little bit have the guys a little bit better prepared, and at least the swagger that they'll have. They'll I think that the Kingsley team will be have more belief in themselves that they can do it, which will translate onto the field where it's not just going to be St. Francis running away with this football game. Now, I do want to ask you guys one question since we are on this topic: What would be the key to the game for Kingsley to be able to pull this upset? Injuries to St. Francis. <laughs> you think it's that? You think it's <laughs> You think it's that far-fetched that, that that's the type of thing that would have to happen is, you know, people actually, you know, not being able to play? This is only for me seeing St. Francis play. I haven't seen Kingsley play, so I don't know. But I saw St. Francis play, and I saw him play for a half. I was there for a half and was blown away uh, by how good they are and, and how smart they are. I don't want to take anything away from Kingsley. I just think that St. Francis is a is too talented, and I'm not going to call them a team of destiny. I think they're a, a team of this is ours already. Yeah, I think they have I think they have just as good of a chance to be playing in a state finals as Leland's soccer team does, and Leland's soccer team's already did it. 100%. Already won it. Yes. <laughs> All right, we're going to keep this marathon of an episode rolling. This is my fault for sticking my big old nose in here. Oh, Nekama, well, we almost had two... Eight-man teams make the semifinals. We almost had Sutton's Bay in Division One, who, you know, just a brief round of applause for them going all the way up to undefeated Pickford, number one ranked, and taking them down to the wire before falling 48-42 in the final seconds. They had a lead at halftime, uh, but that did not happen. So our only eight-player team remaining is Onekama in Division Two, and in their state semifinal. And Onekama will be taking on Portland St. Patrick, which was the state runner-up a year ago. They got rolled in that game, though. I was there for that. I, I covered the Central Lake win, obviously, and had watched Crystal Falls Forest Park just destroy them. I think it was 54-12 to 12 or something like that. But, I mean, they were raining bombs uh, on Portland St. Patrick, and you got to wonder if hopefully the players that were there – they're thinking, we don't want to get embarrassed in the Uper Dome again. Well, St. Patrick is 7-4, and four, so they were one of those 5-4 and four teams to get in. Their playoff point numbers in comparison to Anekama aren't pretty. So on paper, the Portagers should be playing for a state championship next week, Saturday, November 17th. Of course, that's why they play the game. Do you guys think, I mean, we're talking about St. Francis walking to the final. Is this... And how much of a of a done deal is this for Onekama? I mean, I definitely think Onekama is a fantastic eight player football team. I definitely I I mean, 
Sutton's Bay and then went down to the wire. I I honestly would probably put that Sutton's Bay was our best area eight-man team this season after seeing their matchup and then what they just did against Pickford, um, which was far and away has been ranked the highest and best team in eight-man the last two years, actually. But I Onekama has a quarterback who can throw the ball. They have three or four running backs who are able to do something, and their defense has been stellar all year. That game against Sutton's Bay, I believe they let up 13 points, which was – uh, only the second most all season. They gave up 26 points in Wyoming, Trinity Christian, who is also a very good team. I mean, I don't think it's a walk away for Onekama. Uh, I've seen Portland St. Patrick just like Brendan did. I covered them when I was down in Lansing last year. And, you know, they definitely have a solid football program. They never disappoint in terms of, you know, a product put on the field. Well, even I, I even their, their two losses were not, I mean, they, not, were, very, they, they were very close. Yeah. Not, not disappointments. Yeah, but for Onekama, exactly. It's It's not like... It's not like they have been out-talented or outclassed at any point this season. It's just they came out on the wrong end of a couple things. I definitely think that Onekama has a very, very, very good shot to get past Portland and St. Patrick, especially after, from what I saw last year, I didn't get to see that final game. But, you know, they had a lot of talent last year, but from what I saw from Onekama this year compared to what I've seen out of Portland and St. Patrick over the last few, Onekama has a better football team. James, we thought Onekama, that it, it was their year last year until Central Lake. Shocked everybody. Mm-hmm. Is it is it Onekama's year this year? <clears throat> I, I think so. I mean, seeing them play last week against Brethren, uh, you know, Brethren has that, that huge line, and it just didn't matter against Onekama. You know, there's like a smaller version of St. Francis, kind of. They've got a lot of weapons. Uh, they can beat in multiple ways. And they've got a, a tremendous defense, um, which in eight-player football you a lot of times don't see because it's, it's so hard to defend. You know, that field with three fewer players in the field. I think they win this game by multiple scores. Hall of Fame. The get-around Hall of Fame. The get-around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. According to Brett Summers. Well, I'll go first. I'm taking Jesus Calderon Balcazar. I know you probably wanted him, but you know, after me, me traveling downstate over the last couple of weeks and watching his play and then just pushing over Muskegon, uh, Western Michigan, uh, Christian, and then, you know, doing this in the state finals, bringing them the first one in the, you know, in school history. Three, basically three, or at least the last two game-winning goals to win them a state title came off the foot of Calderon Balcazar. Yeah, you'll, he, yeah. you'll, you'll get no argument from me. Uh, I'll put up Kingsley's Aiden Mullen, who carried the ball 20 times for 162 yards and three scores, caught two more balls for 46, and a touchdown in the win over Beaverton. Uh, but it, it's all but impossible. It is impossible to go up against a player who scored the game-winning goals in a state semifinal and a state championship game. Um, when there wasn't anything else going on, that's the other thing. Yeah, there, is that there, goals goals were at a premium in those yeah. two games. There, there won't be uh, there won't be much of a vote here. But James, yeah, probably this not. is much more settled than the uh, pending midterms. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll, I'll go with George Mackey from uh, TC St. Francis. Uh, he had. Nine carries for 175 yards, three touchdowns, averaged nearly 20 yards a carry. Had uh, touchdown runs of 86 and 75 yards the first two times he touched the ball. Is that is that good? It's pretty good. It's a pretty decent average. James might as well just throw Artie Dutmers in there as well. Was it? Yeah, I was I was gonna th- I was gonna throw Artie Dutmers in there. Take both of them, and then all four of us can immediately agree that Jesus is the <laughs> yeah. Hall of Famer this week. I was just gonna go with Mackey because he did that on his birthday. 
That was my tiebreaker, I guess. He did that yeah. on my birthday, just for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. We should have sent, sent Brett to the St. Francis game to celebrate with Mackie, and then I cut one, went and saw Leland win a state championship. The student section saying happy birthday to him during the game. Harrison threatened to go tell the Leland student section at the championship game that it was my birthday and get them to sing. They probably would have. I guarantee please, they would have. Please don't. <laughs> please don't. Followed immediately by, like, Sweet Caroline or something. But, all right. Calderon Balcazar for me. Yeah, same yeah. for me. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Congratulations, right, Jesus I Calderon I Balcazar. <laughs> yeah, you want to you throw Kobe in there? See if he remembers you this time? No. No. <laughs> who's, no. Who's, who's Kobe Lund? He's dead to you. Right? Yeah, Brandon, who's Kobe Lund, right? Uh, you guys are both good sports. It was so funny. If you haven't listened, go back uh, a couple episodes. We had Leland soccer player Kobe Lund in studio, and uh, Brendan, you know, covered their uh, covered them a lot last year. Thought he got to know Kobe pretty well, and then uh, just for some fun, we asked Kobe if he knew who Brendan Queeley was when he was on the podcast. And I'm just some nameless pretty face. <laughs> It was funny. That's my curse, except for the pretty part. A face only a mother could love, and she barely does. <laughs> Congratulations, Jesus Calderon Baxar. You are the latest in Trini into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan. This week's enshrinement brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City. Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's. Freak yeah. All right, guys, trifecta time. It's a non-sports-related topic this week. We touched on Star Wars at the top of the show, thanks to the birthday cards that I received. Uh, the other one being, uh, it had a pug in a Darth Vader mask on the front, and it on the inside it asked me to join the bark side. <laughs> and then uh, my wife got a card that had R two D two on the front, kind of like in a sequin. It was kind of made out of sequins that kind of oh, okay. stuck out and everything on that. So uh, she she thought that was amazing, and it is like hanging up in the house now. Her birthday was Thursday. And, and I had the day birthdays. off, and then she got called into work. Did she really? She got called into work on her birthday. That's rough. Uh, I gotta Sounds like Brett. On my birthday. You don't have to work on your birthday? You got tomorrow off? No, it's the election. Yeah, exactly. You got tomorrow <laughs> off? No. Dang. Well. I was going to take you out for dinner and everything. If you I don't want to go out to dinner with the, you, Jake. The, uh, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the pop-up card that I received uh, in the mail from my mom today features a bunch of characters uh, from the Star Wars universe has has Yoda, Jawas, C-3PO, Han Solo, Princess Leia, R2-D2, Luke Skywalker, Chewbacca, Tusken Raider, and Yoda again on the front, and it just provided me the opportunity to introduce my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter uh, to the Star Wars universe because she was super thrilled about the pop-up, and she'd point at one character, who that? And I'd tell her, who dat? Not quite New Orleans Saints style, but and she just went repeatedly one by one and got to tell her about that. So it just made me sort of uh, think that we should share our Star Wars introduction stories. James, this isn't an old joke. You just you were alive when the when the movies came out. <laughs> the three of us were not. So I want to start with you. What uh, what do you remember about that time? Um it was, well, and when they re-released, you know, they released Star Wars in 1977, and then in, I think, the summer of 79, they re-released it out in the movie theaters again. At that point, I was seven years old, and my sisters hid me in the backseat of a car, 
put a blanket over me or whatever and snuck me into a drive-in movie theater. This happened on a regular basis. That is awesome. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard but, that. I've heard stories of people doing that a lot back in the day. Yeah, so that happened on a regular basis. So they, so I, I got snuck in to see uh, Star Wars. You know, one of one of many movies that they snuck me into, including some horror movies that probably messed me up. <laughs> but <clears throat> with Star Wars, the drive-in, fantastic experience. Oh yeah. Life changed. You feel like you were in the back of a spaceship while you were watching the video. Yeah, and I, I would, and then I just, I just been a Star Wars nerd ever <laughs> since. Jake, go ahead. I mean, basically, like you brought up. I mean, man, I can't remember the exact first time I watched Star Wars, but I'm pretty sure that it was watched 10, 12 times a year. You know, almost in succession through my house. My brother was such a nerd. I was such a nerd. We had all the toys as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it had a lot to do that I was the youngest in a long line of boys in my immediate family. Um, where everybody was into Star Wars, but then the moment, I know the moment that I got into it. I mean, the first one that I got to see in, in theaters was episode one in whatever it was, 2001 or 2002, when I was seven years old. I remember going to the movie theater with all of my cousins, with my mom, with my brother. It was a whole family a whole family deal to make sure that everybody went and saw it. I remember uh, having all the lightsabers, everything, from such a young age that you could almost recite half of the movies by the time I was about 10 or 12. I think, I think Star Wars is what made me such an 80s movie buff that I am, liking all the older movies, because once I got into Star Wars, it just led into everything else. Uh, I mean, 80s movies and Star Wars definitely changed my childhood. Yeah, like you, Jake, I had all the toys and figurines and things. I mean, I'm sure they're still in a box in my parents' attic somewhere. I don't remember the first time that I actually saw it, but I know when I was like seven years old, I got the original trilogy on VHS for Christmas, and that was, that I, I can still remember. I don't think I've ever been as excited to open any gift on Christmas morning since then. I mean, that just, like, blew my mind, and I still have that, that VHS set now, and, you know, with the... I thought maybe it was a bad idea at first, but so far I've been pretty happy with the new movies adding on to a tradition and inviting a whole new generation of fans uh, into the greatest saga ever written. Brendan. I have nothing to add to this conversation. You have nothing to add to this conversation, so... I don't have any... So don't. Shut up over there. That's it. Cut. This, uh, This has been episode 56 of the Get Around Podcast. I did want to mention real quick, we're sponsored by Jimmy John's. We had winners of two Jimmy John sandwiches each of the last three episodes who we did not list off. Those are Stacy Jankowitz for episode 55, Butch Atkins for episode 54, and Tess D, who is at M-O-N-T-E-S-S-D-Y on Twitter. Uh, thank you for engaging with the podcast. We'll uh, be reaching out to you to make sure you get those certificates to Jimmy John's. Uh, We appreciate everybody for tuning in to this episode. We had a lot of fun. Looking forward to next week. Thank you, and have a good one.